Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The West Steps. And this week, I think we have one of the most exciting topics to talk about. Um, I have one of my coworkers here, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. And then we're going to jump into Census 2020. Exciting. Um, <laughs> hi, everyone. My name is Sarah Hughes, and I'm the vice president for research initiatives here at the Colorado Children's Campaign. And so honored to be making my West Steps debut today. <laughs> You're famous now. <laughs> uh, so census, what is it and how do we use it and why is it important? There are so many answers to the question of why the census is important, Um, but I'll kick things off with a few of my favorite fun facts about the census. We love fun facts at the West Steps. Awesome. Um, The census is something that we've been doing in the United States every 10 years since 1790. It is a long time ago, a long time ago, a long time ago, probably before any of our listeners were born. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's something that is mandated by our constitution and the constitution requires us to do what they call an actual enumeration of everyone living in the United States every 10 years. What does actual enumeration mean? It means that we actually have to kind of physically count every single person who's living in the country every 10 years. So whereas with other things, sometimes we'll use a survey that just goes to a sample of the population to try to get data and information. The Constitution actually requires us to make sure that we're counting every single person here individually. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, the census is actually, um, another fun fact, the largest mobilization of our federal government other than war. Whoa. Right? That's pretty crazy. I think it's when when the census is something that happens only once every 10 years and it's very quick and easy for each individual person, it's easy to forget that the federal government actually spends years, almost the entire decade leading up to the census, planning and testing and getting ready for that huge effort. Um, Whoa, that's crazy. It really is. I think it's something that I definitely wasn't aware of before. I started um, living and breathing the census at all times over the last several months, Um, but it really is a huge undertaking and very important. And we use the census in tons of different ways um, that, again, I probably wouldn't have even thought of before we started doing this work. Um, One way that we use the census is to determine uh, political representation. So if you've ever um, looked at the Electoral College or looked at the number of representatives that Colorado has in the House, the U.S. House, and wondered why Colorado has a certain number and Utah has a different number, those numbers actually come from the census. Each state um, is given an amount of political power, an amount of representation in the House of Representatives based on its population. And those population numbers come from the census. So counting everyone in Colorado helps ensure that Colorado has um, the amount of representation in Washington that it deserves. Um, So that's one way that we use the census. Another way that we use the census is as a critical source of data. Um, If you've ever seen us give a kids count presentation here at the Colorado Children's Campaign, almost every single data point in those presentations comes in some way or another from the census. 
Um, and so if we get the census wrong, if we don't count everyone in Colorado, those data that we use, that policymakers use, that school districts use to decide where to build new classrooms, for example, mm-hmm. those data will be skewed for the next 10 years until we have another census in 2030. And then finally, um, one of the most important uses of the census is to allocate federal funding to states. Um, Again, a lot of funding for some of the programs that we care a lot about is determined by the number of people living in a state. And so, for example, here in Colorado in 2016 alone, we got $13 billion in federal funding um, from programs that use the census to allocate those dollars. So in other words, uh, we got about $2,300 per person living in Colorado. And so if we don't count all Coloradans um, next year in the census, that is costing us that funding. And that funding goes to programs that kids really need and rely on, things like Medicaid or child care assistance or the Children's Health Insurance Program. All of those programs use census data um, to allocate federal funds to Colorado. Um, So again, hugely, hugely important. If I had to boil it down, I would say the census is really about power in Washington and about money in terms of the federal funding that comes to our state. So very long lasting implications. It seems like not getting the census right one year has implications for 10 years. You're exactly right. Since we only do the census once every 10 years, we are kind of stuck with whatever data we get uh, from the 2020 census. We'll be stuck with those data for the next 10 years um, until 2030. Wow, so deeply important. So one of the things um, around this conversation around census 2020 is that kids are very difficult to count. And um, and that this has been kind of a point of advocacy for the Colorado Children's Campaign. Can you talk to us through why kids are difficult to count and what the implications are for not counting all the kids that live in Colorado? Absolutely. Um, And when we talk about kids being difficult to count, what we're really talking about are the youngest kids, kids under five. Um, Kids under five are the age group that is most likely to be missed by the census. Um, And in 2010, there are estimates that the census missed as many as one million children across the country. Oh, my God. It's pretty. So there's like one million children that don't have a voice or the the adequate funding from the federal government. Exactly. One million children that are invisible when it comes to the data. Half the population of Colorado kids. You're, it's uh, almost the whole population of Colorado, Colorado kids. kids. Luckily, here in Colorado, we did not miss a million kids. That would have been a huge, uh, a huge <laughs> deal. I think it's fair to say we forgot to count kids in Colorado in 2010. <laughs> Somebody would have dropped the ball if yeah. that were the case. Um, yeah. but, so while we did not undercount them by that huge of a number, we know that Colorado did undercount young kids in our state by thousands. So there were thousands of young kids under five who, again, did not show up in the data that school districts are using, that policymakers are using, that the federal government is using to fund programs for uh, families with young children. So, again, we have been living with the implications of that undercount for the past 10 years. 
And you're right that this has been a huge focus naturally for the children's campaign and trying to, we've been trying to think a lot about how we can ensure that we are counting every single child in Colorado in 2020, given all of the um, reasons that I just mentioned about why the census is important. And to your question about why young kids are so difficult to count, um, I wish that we had one single answer that we could point to and say, this is why, because that would make fixing the problem really, really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, there it's a, there are pretty complex answers to that question. We do know that most of the kids who were missed in the 2010 census were missed not because their households did not fill out their census forms, They were missed because um, for one reason or another, the child was left off of a census form that was returned. Um, And we don't really know why that is. There are some theories out there that um, maybe people didn't realize that kids or babies are supposed to be included in the census. Um, They are. Uh, maybe people, uh, young kids we know are more likely to be living in what are called complex housing situations, um, which is basically a really terrible way of saying, or a really, uh, jargony way of saying, um, a household where you might have multiple families living under one roof, Mm -hmm. or maybe you Mm -hmm. have a family with a young child who's living with grandma and grandpa temporarily, Um, And since they're only there for a few months, maybe grandma or grandpa doesn't include the children on the form. Um, All of those are reasons that experts think kids are more likely to be missed. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of the efforts, I think, to get kids counted will focus on, yes, absolutely, fill out your census form. But Mm -hmm. when you're filling out your census form, don't forget to include all of your children, um, even your least favorite one, on (laughs) your census form. Include the least favorite child in your census should be a tagline. I think that could be a really catchy motto for 2020, (laughs) although maybe it would offend some people. I don't know. We love all children here in the Children's Campaign, even your least favorite one. Um, But yes, there are lots of different reasons. A lot of it has to do um, with the fact that young kids are more likely to be living in these household situations that um, are often affiliated or often associated with being hard to count. So living with multiple families under one roof, um, living in a low income family that might be more mobile and moving around a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of different reasons why kids are missed. But the one thing that we know is that they are missed more likely than or more often than everyone else. Um, And so it's really important that get out the count efforts, as they're called, focus and target um, families with young kids. So this um, census 2020 has been in the news quite a bit, especially around this idea and question, uh, citizenship question for 2020. And it seems like the federal government has made some changes around how the um, census administered and also including the, the citizenship question Um, Can you give us an overview of what this means and what the implications are, um, especially since uh, this citizenship question is the census still going in the courts? Great question. Um, And I will just start by saying that I am um, kind of new to the census uh, since the census is only done once every 10 years and I've only been at the children's campaign for eight years. um, I don't have a lot of experience working on previous censuses, but um, 
the people who do have a lot of experience working on previous censuses, people who worked for the Census Bureau for decades or were advocates for the census for decades, are saying that they are more concerned about the accuracy of the 2020 census than they are of uh, than any other census that they've experienced. Just a tad bit terrifying. Just, just a tad, tad bit terrifying, terrifying. exactly. Um, and so yeah. if they're worried, I think yeah, we, all we all should, should be, be a little worried yeah. and should be working really hard to make sure that this census is accurate. And I think a lot of those concerns do center on the citizenship question that you mentioned. Um, the questions on the census form are usually pretty basic. They ask how many people live in the household, what are their ages, what are their sexes, um, but, uh, this, for the next census, the, uh, Trump administration proposed adding a question about citizenship status, um, on a form that will go to every single household in the country. Uh, people will say that previous censuses have asked about citizenship status, and that is true. Um, however, we have not asked about citizenship status on the census form that goes to every household in the country in 70 years. And and maybe this is a good point to ask. Why have we stopped asking? Because I think a lot of people say, we used to ask this question. It's just adding it back. It's no big deal. But I think it's worth taking a moment to figure out why we stopped 70 years ago? Great question. Um, Every question that is included on the census typically goes through a lot of rigorous testing to make sure that the wording of the question is correct and to see what the impact of the question would be on response rates. And for years now, the Census Bureau's own research has showed that adding a citizenship question would be detrimental to the response rate. And when we don't count everyone in the census, that doesn't only hurt certain populations. Um, That's why I really think the census is not a partisan issue at all, because it affects every single one of us, whether we're a Republican, a Democrat or an independent. Um, Undercounting people in the census will hurt us and will hurt our communities. And so um, I think it's really important that people across the political spectrum realize that adding in this citizenship question has the potential to hurt them, even if they are a U.S. citizen. Okay, so if I get this right, you're saying that um, the reason why we took out the citizenship question is because the Census Bureau, with its own research, found out that asking citizenship question actually affects the response rate, which means we undercount people, which means we don't allocate the appropriate amount of money and the power, the amount of appropriate presentations in Congress, representations in Congress, which fundamentally affects everybody. So I should clarify something in there first, um, which is that the Census Bureau has not tested this current question in this current political environment. And that's why so many people are opposed to it, because it did not go through the rigorous testing that other census questions go through. However, other surveys um, that don't go to every household in the country that just go to a smaller sample do ask about citizenship. Um, And the Census Bureau has noted in recent years, especially um, even before the citizenship question was added to the census for next year, they had noticed um, a huge rise in concerns about confidentiality of information that's provided on these surveys, particularly among um, 
populations of people who are immigrants to the United States. I remember hearing one example about a um, survey taker who was interviewing someone in their home and that person got up and left their own house and left the interviewer sitting in their house alone because they were so concerned that answering these questions could have a negative impact on them. And I also want to be clear about something, which is that um, there are very strict protections in federal law um, for the data that is provided through the census. So Census Bureau employees face very stiff financial penalties if they were to ever share any individual's information. Um, But I think A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people in the current political environment are very concerned that the information that they're providing to the federal government could be used against them in some way. Right. We've seen um, some examples recently of policies that have been very harmful to our immigrant communities. And so I think it's completely reasonable to expect that people might be a little fearful of filling out their census forms, even though those protections are in place. Um, So we are very concerned about the citizenship question potentially being on the 2020 census. And you did mention that the citizenship question is currently in the courts. Um, There's a lot of drama around the census this year. I think they might make a Law and Order episode out of it one day. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, (laughs) Special Victims Unit. Yes. Um, But there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff happening around the citizenship question in the courts right now. There have been, I believe, now three court cases that have found that the Trump administration violated different federal laws in adding the citizenship question to the 2020 census because they did not go through the typical process for doing so. So three federal courts have ruled against the administration, have blocked the question from appearing on uh, the forms next year. However, the Trump administration has appealed those decisions to the Supreme Court. And so later this month, actually, April 23rd, the Supreme Court will start hearing oral arguments um, around the citizenship question case. And um, they will have to come to some sort of a decision by June because that's when um, the forms have so, to go yeah, to the printer. So that's what I'm about to ask, which is like, shouldn't be this done like a year ago, given the fact that, you know, the uh, census should be starting to administer very soon. It is very troubling, yes, that we are now less than a year out from administering the 2020 census. And we have so much uncertainty around this question um, that could do significant harm to communities across the country. So um, I think we've established this, that this is an incredibly important um, forms of information that the federal government collects that states and every individual person who resides in the United States gets affected by. Um, Which leads me to the next question that what is Colorado doing to make sure that every person who lives in Colorado is counted, including those hard-to-count, hard-to-reach populations. So even though the state of Colorado won't be the entity that is actually counting people, the Census Bureau, the federal government handles um, all of the logistics around counting folks next year, Colorado does have a really big role to play in, as you said, reaching out to those hard-to-count populations. And uh, the state is doing that in a couple different ways. First and foremost, the state has established what's called a complete count campaign um, that I sit on along with around 30 other people from across the state 
And this group represents everyone from businesses to nonprofits to local governments to uh, different state departments, the Department of Education or Public Health, for example. And this group um, is charged with actually creating the plans to reach out to these hard-to-count folks. Um, And there are different subcommittees among that group. So, for example, I sit on the Education and Youth Subcommittee, and we are in the process of developing plans to make sure that we are reaching out to parents of students in the K-12 system and then those young kids who are likely to be undercounted as well. We have other groups that are focused on working with businesses or focused on reaching out to immigrant and refugee populations. So the state has um, put together this team of folks that will, over the next few months, be putting together those plans and thinking about how we can make sure that every single person in Colorado is aware of the census leading up to next year. And the second um, big thing that I wanted to highlight is that we actually have a piece of legislation moving through the Capitol right now that would provide $6 million in grant funding to nonprofits and local governments around the state to conduct outreach around the 2020 census to those hard-to-count populations. Um, There's been a lot of research to show that when it comes to the census, um, elected officials, high-level elected officials, are not necessarily trusted messengers uh, among those folks who are hard to count. Um, No offense to our policymaker friends out there, but the research shows that trusted messengers among folks who are harder to count are teachers or nonprofits or local folks who live in that community, librarians, people who have knowledge and credibility in those local areas. And so this bill, it's House Bill 1239, um, is really genius, I think, in that it gets that funding for outreach to the people who know their communities best. Um, And that bill actually just uh, this week passed the House on third reading. Very exciting. Um, And we'll be moving through the Senate soon. Um, And so I'd encourage people to uh, contact their senators and urge a yes vote because it really is critical to getting us. ensuring census participation among folks who are harder to count. That's great. So Colorado's taking its own initiative to make sure everybody in Colorado's counted, which yeah. leads me to my next and last question is um, this issue affects literally every single one of us. And I don't know, there are very few things like this that I think bring the entire state together. So I was wondering what individuals can do, what can people do who don't necessarily Um, work at the state legislator or they don't know anybody from the Census Bureau or the committee that you mentioned, but they really want to make sure that everybody in their community is counted. What are some of the things that people can participate to make sure we count every single person in Colorado? So first and foremost, the most basic thing that everyone in Colorado can do is to fill out their census yeah. forms in the spring of next we year. We might just choose a winner to come on the West to <laughs> talk to us yeah. about yes. their census experience. There you go. I think that would be a great motivator. Um, Fill out your census form. Include everyone living in your household, even if you have folks who are living with you for just a couple months. If they're living there on April 1st on Census Day, include them on the form. And especially if those people are young kiddos or babies, we need to make sure that every child in Colorado is counted because of that funding aspect in particular. 
Um, another thing that people can do is to encourage their friends, their families, their neighbors yeah, make to a do party the out same. Of make a party out of it. This year the, or next year, the census will be available online hey. for the first time ever. So you can totally get together with your friends, yeah. have a glass of wine if you want to, exactly. and fill out your census form. It sounds like a riveting um, time yeah. to me. How else would least. you want to spend your April 1st? I don't even know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, just talk up the census among people who are around you and make sure that everybody understands how important it is. I think it's easy to brush off. Oh, I got this postcard in the mail telling me to fill out these you know, few questions about my household. But just make sure you're telling people this is critically important for us and for our community. And then finally, um, if you are a person who works with young kids or families of young kids, make sure you are talking up the census to those folks and making sure that they know how important it is that they participate and that they count their children on their census forms. We know that going into next year, child care providers and teachers and pediatricians, people who have interaction with families with young kiddos are going to be really, really important in the fight to make sure that we count everyone um, so whether it's putting up a flyer in your child care center or in your uh, clinic, if you're a pediatrician or um, if you're if you host a family night where people could come in, if they don't have Internet access, they could come in and fill out their census forms. Anything that you can do for those families with young kids in particular to get them counted um, is really huge. And the children's campaign will be writing about this and providing resources for people. So if you have any questions or if you aren't quite clear about the talking points as to how the census is important, um, we are here as a resource and you can reach out to us anytime. And we will be back next week with with another episode. But I just want to say thank you so much for making the census the most exciting thing. <laughs> I now had so much fun. That is my goal in life right now is to excite people about the, the census. census. So I, I will check I'm your now name com- off the list. I am now a convert. I am now <laughs> believing the census. And I think we should do everything we can to make sure everybody is counted. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe anywhere you find your podcast and share it with your friends and family. And we'll be back next week. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you.